T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is hour number two on a Monday home and home radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by zip recruiter. Try zip recruiter for free right now. The exclusive address zip recruiter.com slash enter zip recruiter, the smartest way to hire so much to discuss on this Monday. What we learned from Sunday in the NFL, we'll talk to Elliot Shore parks from WIP about the Philadelphia Eagles, who they might acquire by tomorrow's trade deadline in the 10 o'clock hour, Kevin Millar discusses what in the world has happened to the World Series. No home team has won a game through five games. First time since 1996 when the New York Yankees ended up the eventual champs. A lot to get to in the NFL, but first, let's bring in my, uh, my demigod co-host, Ross Tucker from Pennsylvania. By the way, I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. The demigod uh, co-host. I mean, Maui, you you were spectacular in the photo of your Halloween party, but I did not hear you sing "You're Welcome." Can you give us a little version? Oh uh, well, I ha- I'd have to look up the lyrics real quick, but <laughs> sure, I can. Um, so th- that is a bodysuit you have. Moana lyrics. Yeah, so um, it was like a skin-tight shirt and pants that I put on that obviously had the tattoos and stuff. Um, it was awesome. I'll tell you what I didn't like. I, I really did not like the hair in my face. That is, uh, after shortly after we got to the party, I had my wife put my hair into a man bun because I just could not handle having it in my face like that. It was annoying the crap out of me. But yes, it is my wife who was Moana next to me. Um, What can I say except you're welcome for the tides, the sun, and the sky. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. You're welcome. I'm just an ordinary demi guy. I, I, I see. I don't. I don't watch it. I don't know the song that well. I just know the. I just love the part where he says, "What can I say except you're welcome?" It's awesome. It was fun. I tell you what. Uh, I didn't post any of these videos, but to have a to be with a bunch of your friends all in different costumes dancing, it's just hilarious. Like, oh, I- like. The videos after the fact of like these 80s people and Oompa Loompas and all the different people that were at the party. It's uh, it's really comical. It's fun. And I never, it's, you know, it's always during football season. And yeah. so I'm always typically traveling when people have those Halloween parties. But it just so happened that, you know, it was a it was an Army home game. That's the game I was broadcasting. I was able to get there late and go to the party. It was it was awesome. And last night I went to a Diwali party for an hour in between the late 
in between right when like the Texans Raiders ended and the Packers Chiefs and I went to a Diwali party in the neighborhood for an hour, which was fun. A what? Diwali? Uh, D-I-W-A-L-I? I got nothing. You got familiar? What, what in the world is Diwali? Oh, um, I think it's like the, the Indian New Year, maybe? I can look ah. it up. But it's a it's a it's a Indian um, Indian uh, day long festival. It was yesterday. It's all about um, all kinds of good food and fireworks. It's the Hindu festival of lights. Oh, I never really knew. I just know that it's at our one Indian friend's house and it's good food and fireworks. I never really looked it up, but. Uh, it's the Hindu Festival of Lights. Yeah. I, there you go. <laughs> I am all in on dressing up as adults. I think Halloween is so much cooler for us adults than it even it is for our kids. I love that you were going to a Diwali party with no real sense of what Diwali was and just assuming I would know. I've been Diwali I've been to like I've been to like five <laughs> Diwali parties the last few years. I've what? been to like I never really asked what it was. I just knew it was like a fun Indian party. I'm in. I'm in. Um, I will say this though. The flip side, the flip side to being able to go Saturday night to the co- yeah. adult costume party is that I have to travel this Thursday. I'll actually be flying uh, to the Briggs estate out in Denver um, because Army plays at Air Force on Saturday, uh, which is always a huge game. So on Halloween, Rather than going trick-or-treating with my daughters, unfortunately, I will be flying out to Colorado, which is a which is a bummer. So the previous years, for whatever reason, it worked out where usually I could do the trick-or-treating, but I couldn't do the adult party this year. That that part of it's flipped, unfortunately. I'm still not sure what I will dress as. I will trick-or-treat. I- I'm not big enough to pull off Maui. I was going to say otherwise, ship me that overnight. But skinny dude like me cannot pull off uh, a demigod quite the way Ross Tucker can. Hey, let me ask you this. While while we're on the topic, okay? Mm -hmm. Do you, when you, when your kids go trick-or-treating, do they all, they're all still of the age that they go trick-or-treating? Yes. Um, And so do the three of them go with you and your wife? Like, what's the breakdown there? Oh, no. Oh, no. So the 13-year-old moved on years ago. I think that was around 11 when she left us. She just goes with friends, and we just see her later. The 11-year-old who was 10 last year, that's when he dropped out of trick-or-treating with mom and dad. So we are just clinging for dear life to our 7-year-old who does still have no choice in the matter. She is stuck with us. And my wife and I do like to dress up. And embarrass the kids as much as possible, but no. Okay, so so you dress him. up. So typically for trick or treating, I don't dress up. I um, but let me ask you this: Do you bring any adult beverages with you during trick or treating? Oh yeah, that is an absolute must. And thankfully, there are also some pretty cool neighbors that tailgate it up a little bit. That some have a keg in the neighborhood. That's pretty free flowing, although they, they sit behind it and manage to make sure high schoolers don't tap into the keg. But yeah, I always bring a roadie. Red Solo Cup for me. How about you? Yeah, so um, we don't we don't live like 
we can't really walk to, to where we trick or treat. So we hop in the car and we go to one of two neighborhoods of friends of ours. And um, I usually bring a red wheelbarrow. And in that wheelbarrow is where the girls can put their candy if they need to, extra clothing, because it's usually pretty cold here in Pennsylvania. And also, that is where I have my daddy's sodas, red solo cups as well, a bunch of beers in a cooler. And I don't know what it is, but when you're walking around and you're drinking beer as you're watching your kids trick or treat and you're outside, that that is awesome. I love that. Like I, I'm really sad because the thing is, Dave, it was supposed to be this past Thursday on the 24th. So I was gonna be able to actually do it and then drive up to West Point, but then they moved it to the 31st. So I love that. The only thing that's difficult with that, Dave, is I then have to, I'm in a neighborhood where I don't really actually know anybody other than my one friends. So I'm in a neighborhood where at some point I have to figure out where I'm going to urinate. So that that usually happens about halfway, three quarters through the night. That's always somewhat of an adventure because it's not like there aren't a lot of great spots there in that neighborhood. So somebody mm. gets to be the lucky winner, I guess, every year. <laughs> See, I've got a bladder like a camel, so I don't need to urinate. I, I can hold it all night long I, it is uh I, it's both a blessing and a curse to what's the curse <laughs> about uh well because sometimes you hold it so long that when i go to sleep i don't have to go to the bathroom but in the middle of the night that's when it finally kicks in and you know like I'll, it'll be so you know i'll pee so long that my knees get a little tired <laughs> i have to put a hand on the wall man i mean it's Literally, I am no joke, and a camel. I mean, it's I. I can so wait, 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 wait. What? Why did you not? Why did you not? Why do you not go before you go to bed? I do, I do, but for some reason, it takes a while to get through the system, man. I, it's it's a strange system. It's I did not plan on going down this road. You threw me off. But can we agree that Halloween needs to be every year on a Saturday night? I mean, it's ridiculous to rotate this thing through weekdays. Um, that's interesting. I, I'm, oh, I, I'm not going to go all in on that for you because if it's during the week, you get the fun then and you get typically a weekend party. You, you double dip if it's Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. So I disagree. Mm. You know what? My neighborhood where I live, it's typically the Thursday before the 31st is when they do it. So it was, they always do it on a Thursday trick-or-treating in the neighborhood so it was actually scheduled to be on the 24th i was gonna do it i was gonna love it but then they're like no that's kind of stupid we can actually do it on the 31st so it says the 31st but like next year i already know it'll be the thursday before the 31st so it might even be the 25th that they do it this is an absolute outrage halloween has to there's been a petition for years an official petition that I think has enough signatures to require a White House comment. Halloween has to be on Saturday night. It has to be on the last Saturday 
of October every mm. year to allow both kids and adults to have a good time so your kids don't struggle the next day. They want to sleep in. They can't get to school. They're unproductive. So mom and dad can have a few extra mm. adult sodas, as Ross Tucker calls them. This is outrageous. It needs to be put to a stop. Here's where I need my government officials to do something for me. You raise my taxes with this new tax plan. You, you mess up health care. Can you at least please get Halloween right? It's not a holiday that anyone gives a damn about. It holds no religious significance, no significance to any particular group of Americans. So for once, you wouldn't actually offend any Americans. Just move it. Last Saturday night in October, done. Everybody's happy. This might be the only thing where you're not offending an entire group uh, of Americans. No, that they you're offending have me. Counted. You're offending Why? me. I disagree. You're wrong. I don't want to move it. It's the 31st. It's always been the 31st. I like when it's during the week. There's a better chance I can actually go. Then you also get an adult party on the weekend. You double dip. You're wrong. It's the wrong platform for you to run on. All right. I, you know what? We're going to have to take this to the people. And another Halloween topic I want to discuss later in the week is what the best sports Halloween costumes are this year. I've got a pretty interesting list that I've started on, and my costume will be from the sports world, which I'm sure you can probably guess. But let's bring in our friend Elliot Shore Parks from WIP and the Prevent Defense podcast to talk about all things Eagles, as well as get him to weigh in on this subject we're debating. Elliot Shore Parks, good to talk to you, my friend Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Do you believe Halloween should be moved permanently to the last Saturday in October? Yeah, I think Halloween should be moved permanently off the calendar. So you can put it wherever oh. you want. I think it's a, it's a terrible holiday. I get the kids like it, and I'm happy for that, but I hate when adults try to partake. So I would hope you would just move it completely off the calendar. Wait, 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 wait. Adults try to partake in what way? Meaning trick-or-treating or meaning having like an awesome costume party where everybody gets hammered and has a blast? Yeah, guess what? I have fun getting hammered whether I'm dressed up or not. So I don't really need to spend two weeks trying to think of a costume and dressing up. Like, I'm just, I'm not a fan of Halloween. I don't like dressing up. I don't like trying to think of a costume. So if I'm going to drink, I'd rather just do it like I normally do every weekend, you know? Okay, so let me, let me just say something real quick for everybody listening or watching. Whatever you do, do not follow Elliot Shore Parks on Twitter, <laughs> at Elliot Shore Parks. Don't listen to the Prevent Defense podcast. And really, you can go ahead and tune out for the next 15 minutes because he has no idea what he's talking about, about anything in life. Who doesn't like Halloween? What is wrong with you? Adults. Do you hate life? Do you hate fun? I love fun. I just hate dressing up like I'm an eight-year-old. Like, it was fun when I was little, right? But now I can just buy candy if I want to. I can go drink every weekend with my friends if I want to. Why do I need to dress up? Like, do I need to show how clever I am by thinking of a costume? Like, I'd rather just dress normally. I look fly all the time. Why would I want to put a costume on? Oh, my Dude, gosh. you are, he said you are the fun police. You are he the said fly. I but I don't have to do it with Halloween, like... What do I got to dress up for? I don't like dressing up. So, of course, I don't like Halloween. You love dressing up. You love looking fancy and looking all Elliot Shore Pucks, ESP. With, uh, nah, nah. You love dressing up. 
You dress yeah, up every time I ever see you. Yeah, I always look fly. There's no denying that. But I'm saying, so why would I want to like paint my face and like do some ironic costume? Like I'm good. I'll just hang out with my friends um, by myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm fine. I don't need it. All right, all right. Here, here, here's what you need to know, okay? Okay. It's p- number one, and you already know this. There are certain people that use costumes to maybe dress in a more provocative manner than they otherwise would. That's a yeah. huge bonus, huge yeah. benefit. I can yeah. explain that to you offline sometimes if you need sometimes if you need college, some help with that, Elliot. That's number one. Number two, when people are in costumes, they drink more. They do. They drink more. I, I don't know why it is. But they drink more, and then when you're all dancing, it's hilarious. I was dancing with an Oompa Loompa and a beer pong table Saturday night, okay? An Oompa Loompa and a beer pong table. It was amazing. Well, I wish there was video of that, but I would say it's probably hilarious whenever you dance, Ross. So I don't know if you need a costume for that. Uh, we, have got, we have got to get a video of the Oompa Loompa and the beer pong table. That. That would be viral, my friend. We have got to check out a video of that. Ross and I totally agree. You are the no fun police, man. We have, I mean, <laughs> drinking is absolutely more. One of my best friends came to the door trick-or-treating with his kids. I had never met the guy in my life, but he was wearing a, a, a giraffe costume. He's six foot three, wearing a giraffe costume at 40 years old. I didn't know the guy. I said, you gotta come in for a beer became one of my best friends because I realized any dude that's going to dress up as a giraffe at 40 and go trick-or-treat with his kids, that's a dude I want to hang out with. You apparently are not, Elliot. Yeah. Parks. I'm happy you made a friend, but yeah, I would have no <laughs> interest hanging out with that individual. He can go dress All up right. a giraffe at his own time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you do know this. You do know a few things about this Philadelphia Eagles team and boy, were they fantastic at Buffalo yesterday. Do you think they found a formula moving forward and it's kind of this lightning and thunder combination between Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Yeah, I do. I mean, their two biggest wins of the season have come with them committing to the run. And I get in 2019, all the analytics and all the, the smart football people say you throw the ball to win. And I agree with that. But the Eagles just don't have the personnel to pass the ball consistently, but they do have the personnel to run it at a high level. They have a great offensive line filled with pro bowlers and all pro players. Jordan Howard has been a great player for them so far this season. And Miles Sanders showed yesterday that he can be a special player. I mean, that 65-yard run, he flashed specialness on that play. So when they needed to win at Green Bay, they went to the run. When they needed to win at Buffalo, they went to the run. And I think it's a formula they should stick with going forward. Elliot, we talk every week on the Eagles pregame show. I mean, watching that game yesterday, all I could really think about is how I just can't figure this team out. Just yeah. when you think like, okay, you know, you just can't count on that. You can't trust them. They come out. I thought that was their most impressive performance of the year, even maybe more so than Green Bay, given the conditions. Given, I mean, New England only won 16 to 10 in Buffalo. And for the Eagles to dominate the way they did, I, I, I really can't figure this team out. They could just as easily come back and lay an egg against the Bears at home next Sunday. I have no idea what Eagles team is going to show up from week to week. Yeah, I I think the most telling stat about the Eagles is that with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, in four years, they've only won three or more games twice. So they almost always consistently 
follow up a big win with either a devastating loss or some kind of really ugly win. I mean, they're just not consistent. They can't string wins together. They're 9-10 and 10 in, the, in the last 19 games Doug and Carson have been together. So they're about a 500 team, and that's really what they are. Like, you say you struggle to figure them out, and I agree. It's hard each week to pick the games. But the reason it's hard is because they almost always, you know, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. Like, and you just have to figure out what week that's going to be. Uh, what I thought was really telling is looking down on the field yesterday from Buffalo, and it was disgusting there. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was the wind was bad. It was cold. It was miserable. But the Eagles were three and four going into that game, and they have so much more talent than the five and one Bills. So the Eagles are under under uh, achieving right now. They should be better than they are, which is really just a five hundred team. I'm talking with Elliot Shore Parks, WIP, in the Prevent Defense podcast. I don't think too much should be taken from. Uh, the defensive effort. Look, Josh Allen is an unproven commodity, to say the least. He is inaccurate. He is erratic. Uh, so as yeah. we enter, the trade deadline is tomorrow. What is the biggest position of need for the Eagles? Is it defensive back? So I believe that the, this Eagles team is going to go as far as the offense takes them. So, yes, do they need help at defensive back? They do. But they also needed a defensive tackle, linebacker, and arguably backup safety. So one move is not going to fix the defense. I do think by maybe bringing in one player, they could help to fix the offense. And they desperately need speed on offense. If I'm Howie, that's my goal over the next two two days, is to add a difference maker to this offense. Alshon Jeffrey is, has not looked great. I mean, he looks slow, and he, he looks like a tight end, honestly, out there playing wide receiver. Deshaun Jackson might come back, and I'm sure he'll play again this year. But with that injury, he's a huge question mark. So the Howie needs to go out and get a player like a Robbie Anderson from the New York Jets, someone that the opposing defense is going to have to respect that can help them stretch the field. I'm kind of with you, Elliot. I, I guess the the things I would say is it feels like, and Josh Allen's a little bit erratic and his mobility gave him some issues, but yeah. felt like with Jalen Mills, Darby played better. That corner, maybe not as important. Um, and I, I don't know when they're getting Jernigan back. I mean, do we have any idea when Jernigan or Deshaun Jackson are coming back? The Deshaun Jackson one, I feel like, is especially troubling because I think even if he had had the surgery and it would be totally fixed, he'd be back by now. But instead, we don't know when he's back. And really, I had that surgery when I was a senior in college. And I, I don't know, like, maybe we need to talk to a doctor, but I don't know how it's healed if he doesn't have the surgery. So my concern would be even when he does come back to your point, how do we know it doesn't flare up again or get re-aggravated since he didn't have the surgery to completely fix it? Yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't healed. Deshaun Jackson is not going to be 100% the rest of the season. And not like in the no player in the NFL is not 100% at this point. He's legitimately not going to be completely healed from this injury. And I, I respect the fact that when Deshaun got this injury, he basically decided, I want to play really badly. He's, he's been wanting to come back in Philadelphia for years. His first game back, he had two touchdowns, and the link was going crazy. So I understand why he probably said, you know what? No, I don't want to commit to being out six to seven weeks or whatever it's going to be with that surgery. But like you said, it's now been seven games, and I don't even think he plays this week at Chicago. I mean, last week, Doug Peterson said Deshaun Jackson is close to running on grass. Like, that's where the game is played. So the fact that he's only... <laughs> The fact he's even only close to doing that, I think, is a major red flag. 
Um, look, I hope he comes back and I hope he's healthy because he's an electric player to watch. But like I said, the Eagles need to make sure that they get a difference maker on offense and that speed, the speed is going to do that. Yeah, the guy is certainly uh, fragile, to say the least. Talk with Elliot Shore Parks, WIP, Prevent Defense Podcast. Uh, one win is nice, but have they solved the, the discord issues? We heard about guys showing up late. It sounded like there were some fractures beginning to create and, and even some, some criticism off the record of Carson Wentz. Have they solved that side of it? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, look, I think whenever things like that come out, it's always overblown. So is it is it as bad as maybe you know, it's being made out to be. No, I don't think so. But look, winning is the ultimate deodorant in sports, right? I mean, they won. So now all of a sudden, everybody loves Carson. Everybody's on time. But when they lose in two weeks, I'm sure you'll hear these things again. I think that really what's haunted this Eagles team, and I think Orlando Skandrick is right, is since they won the Super Bowl, you know, they've they've really just kind of been feeling themselves when all they are is a 500 team. So uh, I think Doug Peterson's a, head co- a, a very good head coach. And I think that Ultimately, they'll push for a playoff spot. But to say that a win in Buffalo fixed all these issues, I I don't think it's true. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see. And I I think the bigger issue is, Elliot, let's say they do make a move. Let's say it is Robbie Anderson or whoever. I guess my what I wonder is, are they still, even if they get Robbie Anderson, are they really good enough to compete with what we're seeing right now from the Saints, the Packers, and the Niners. And I and I guess I want your answer, Elliot. My answer is I think that they can beat any of them in a one-game scenario. I just can't see them doing it two or three times in a row. I think those teams are more consistent across the board than they are. Yeah, look, I, I think if you painted the, the perfect outcome the rest of this Eagles season, it would be you know, they win the division at 9-7, and 10-6, and because I do think that's what will win that division. You get a home playoff game, which they're very good at home, and the Link's a hard place to play. And then if you go to San Francisco, maybe against an unexperienced young team, you're able to steal a win. But, but I agree with you, Ross. When you just look at all the other teams in the NFC, I mean, the Eagles are maybe 7 or 8. Like, their combination of issues on offense and defense really puts them a notch below you know, San Francisco, New Orleans, the Packers. I would even say the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings just smoked them, so definitely the Vikings. And the and the Cowboys are all considerably better. So can they make the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think they could do that. I think they could win a home playoff game. But when Howie Roseman became GM again in 2016, he said the best teams always have the number one or two seed. Those are the teams that actually have a real shot to go to the Super Bowl. So he knows that if this team goes into the playoffs – as a, as a four seed or something like that, that they don't have a realistic chance of going to the Super Bowl. All right, that's Elliot Shore Parks with his perspective on all things Eagles related. Catch him on WIP and the Prevent Defense podcast and keep us up to date on trade deadline stories. Follow Elliot Shore Parks for the latest information. You know how he is going to make a move here in the last minute. And boo on you, Elliot Shore Parks. Dress up, dude. Dress up on Halloween, be a cool guy, have some fun, get a red Solo cup, and be a fun guy, okay? All right, enjoy Halloween, losers. I'll talk to you later. Jeez. What a guy? How about a guy that doesn't like Halloween calling us losers? How about that? Wow. I just, I mean, I really like that guy. So now I'm having a, a hard time. Like, have I misread him? 
You know, I mean, if so, here's my thing, Ross. If I had a Halloween party, which we like to do periodically, and one of my friends, good friends, shows up not dressed up, you're not coming in. Sorry. Go somewhere. Rob your kid's toy chest. Do whatever you got to do. Get a cowboy hat on and a bandana. You're not coming in, even if you're my best friend. If you're not dressed up, you're not coming in. So now I don't know how to read Elliot. I have a, uh, I have a neighbor who has a similar party. He, uh, he, he doesn't close his pool until like midway through October, um, maybe even late October. Uh, he, he does not mind sparing expense on heating the pool. And he has a pool closing party every year. And if you don't go in the pool, you're not invited the next year. He And he keeps track, and that's the rules. And I love it. I love him for oh. it. I think it's great. Let me just say this to you, okay? And this yeah. is a great point. I'm glad you said this. For everybody listening, a little life advice, okay? We got, we, got a, we, got a, we got an army of millennials that work on the show, and they all do a great job. Jacob and Dylan and Eric and... Prancer and Dancer and Vixen. We got them all, okay? Of course, Joey. Of course, Jordan. The guys we communicate with the most. Let me just, a little piece of advice. Life is too short to not go in the pool at a pool party. Just remember that. Life is too short to be the person that doesn't go in the pool at the pool party. Life is too short to be the person that doesn't dance at the wedding. Life is too short to be the person that doesn't get dressed up in a costume for a Halloween party. Someday, you'll be old. Your kids will have been grown up. Maybe you'll even be on your deathbed, and you'll look back and be like, are you shitting me that I didn't go into the pool at that party? Are you kidding me I didn't dance at that wedding? Dance. Swim, dress up. You're welcome. That was a brilliant soliloquy from Ross Tucker. Words to live by from Ross Tucker. You know, that needs to be a weekly segment here on Home and Home. Life hacks with Ross Tucker. That was a good one. I mean, John Wooden always used to say, surround yourself with smart people who will argue with you. Talking, of course, about the legendary UCLA basketball coach. I believe that is a great lesson, but I also believe you ought to surround yourself with people, not just who will argue with you, but surround yourself with people who will laugh at themselves. You need to find some people around you that are willing to laugh at themselves, make fun of themselves, Laugh it off. Otherwise, man, life is just too short to not laugh off a couple mistakes, be silly, be goofy. So on that, we agree. Another episode of Life Hacks with Ross Tucker, almost as good as the mixtape that is all the killer tunes. We're going to take a quick break here. After we come back, we will finally get to the New England Patriots and the historic defensive effort they are putting on the numbers just straight blow your mind. And also Bill Belichick, third coach in uh, NFL history with 300 wins. But can he get to number one? And what do the Kansas City Chiefs need to do before tomorrow's trade deadline? We all thought they were destined for an AFC title matchup with the Patriots. That team looks like they need a move before tomorrow's trade deadline. We'll get to all that in just a sec, Ross. But first... 
Zip Recruiter, get excited. I'm giving all kinds of life hacks out today. I'll give you another one. Zip Recruiter. They don't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. So if you have your own business or you work in HR or you can tell someone at the business, make sure they know about ZipRecruiter. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. It's that easy. With results like that, it is no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, when we come back after the break, Patriots, Chiefs, and what about the Houston Texans? Another devastating loss, another season-ending injury for J.J. Watt. What does it mean for their chances in the AFC? And what might have been also on the other side for the Texans, the offensive play of the year, something spectacular that we've really never seen before, unless, of course, you're talking about Brett Favre. Hard to think of many comps for what Deshaun Watson did yesterday. We're back with AFC discussion after the break. The New England Patriots continue to do things we've really never seen in the brief history. Uh, in, the, in the last 30, 40 years, you can talk about the 86 Bears. You can talk about the Ravens. Uh, but the numbers this defense is, is putting up, it's just flat out. Historic. We have never seen anything like the way they are turning this ball over, the way they are keeping teams out of the end zone. Consider for a moment the defense after Sunday's 27-13 win over the Browns has scored four touchdowns by themselves, has allowed four touchdowns all season. The Patriots are plus 17 in the turnover ratio category, 25 takeaways. And consider their opponent on the other side of the field. Cleveland is minus nine. New England is plus 17. And this game was over in one three-play streak in the first quarter when Cleveland somehow, some way, managed to turn it over three times in three consecutive plays in the first quarter. The odd part was Nick Chubb was really running well against the New England defense. And when all said and done, 131 yards rushing for Chubb on 6.6 yards per carry. That is massive for Chubb. Two fumbles lost, though. Is there a glimmer of a vulnerability as this schedule gets a lot tougher for the New England Patriots, Ross? And how well Nick Chubb ran the ball against that defense, considering this is not a spectacular Cleveland offensive line? Yeah, I think that was a positive, although I think on some level, that's how the Patriots were playing them, right? I think they thought the way that they could lose to the Browns would be 
if guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry were able to beat him deep. So you had a bunch of two deep safety looks. They have a lot of respect, I think, for Baker Mayfield, even though he hasn't had a great year so far. And it was almost like, yeah, you can run it, but at some point you'll turn it over or you'll get a penalty or you'll get bogged down the red zone. And you know what? They were right. That's exactly what happened to the Browns. So I guess that's nice to know that maybe you can run on the Patriots, but I think part of that was just the game plan from New England, what they were willing and able to do there with the Browns, who, you know, I I think there's also a glimmer of hope, Dave, that I don't think that the Patriots offense is all that great right now. That's why I moved them down number three right now in my power rankings. You know, it's the, the worst offensive line Brady's had around him in a while, probably the worst receiving core Brady's had around him in a while. If you include the tight ends in that, it's not great right now. And they still won by 14 points in NFL game, which is pretty amazing, but it's, it's not, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And if the Browns could get out of their own way, they could have made that a really good game. It's continually difficult to evaluate just how good the Patriots are because they haven't really played anybody. And this Cleveland Browns team, we should just be done talking about them unless we're talking about them in the, in the conversation of the Atlanta Falcons and the teams that are just tremendous disappointments. They, they will not turn it around. This team will not be headed toward the playoffs. They are a wreck. And, and the strange part is even Odell Beckham Jr. cannot get established in any way, shape, or form. 34 catches throughout the season right now. Easily the worst of his career. 34 catches. Now, remember what we talked about earlier on this program. Michael Thomas has 73 catches. Odell Beckham Jr. has less than half of that and yet gets gets far more headlines, discussion, and press than Michael Thomas. Let's just make a commitment to talking more about Michael Thomas and less about Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe they could consider moving him. He has not been very effective for them. Baker Mayfield and he are not in sync. For whatever reason. Now, the story of this one after the game, of course, is Bill Belichick. 300 wins, the third head coach in the history of the game to accomplish that feat. But he's 24 wins behind George Hallis. He is 47 behind the great Don Shula. I think it's given that he, he'll pass George Hallis in the second. How important is that record? Number one, you played for Bill Belichick. How important is it, and can he hang around this game long enough? We're looking at, let's just say, at least two to three years beyond the Tom Brady era. Can Bill Belichick stay at this level long enough to win 48 more football games? Yeah, and I think he will. He just doesn't strike me as a guy that would be all that happy in retirement. He doesn't yeah. seem like he wants to slow down really anytime soon. He loves it. He loves football and he loves the history of football so much, Dave. I think he wants every record. I think he wants to leave absolutely no doubt whatsoever. Wants everyone to know he's the best coach has ever been. He wants the most wins, the most Super Bowls, which he already has, the most everything. He, he wants it all. And I think he wants to leave no doubt. I think Tom Brady feels the same way, which is why those guys are sort of simpatico 
in that way. I could be wrong. And maybe after Brady leaves and if Belichick struggles, he'll be like, all right, enough with this. But I think he's going to want to prove his legacy on two levels. One, to have the most wins ever. And two, I think he kind of wants to show he can do it without Brady. I know they went 11-5 and with Matt Castle, and they've had some success with other guys, but they haven't had the ultimate success. They haven't had extended playoff runs or a Super Bowl. I think he, I think he would, would, would really embrace that challenge. He's 67 years old. You figure to, to take out the, the 47 more he's going to need, that probably is four years after this year. And it really is interesting if Brady calls it a career. Would he coach four years after Tom Brady into his early 70s? One thing is clear, and Ross makes a great point. This is not a man that appears that he would be happy if football were not in his life. Let's talk about another team that contends or looks like they will be right there till the very end, depending on what their injury meant on Sunday. The Houston Texans get another huge win, 27-24, over the Oakland Raiders, who have done a noble job on a butt-kicking of a road trip that the NFL really screwed them with. J.J. Watt we'll get to in a moment. Season-ending injury, again, a torn pectoral uh, muscle he says he is absolutely gutted by this. He tweeted that this game can be beautiful. It can also be brutal. First, how it was beautiful. Deshaun Watson, if you haven't seen this play again, we urge you to go to YouTube and find it. Deshaun Watson, and I think the play of the year thus far in the NFL season, is sacked or certainly appeared to be sacked, spun out of it, got kicked in the face, turned out to be a kick directly to his eye and threw a ball we can presume was just in the vicinity of a receiver that ended up being a Darren Fells touchdown and the Texans do it again. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Ross, what impresses you most about this guy? Well, just the spectacular. I mean, he did take some sacks yesterday, Dave, that uh, it, it was kind of the Deshaun Watson from before that I, I wasn't liking as much. There were several sacks that he should not have taken. But he's got some Aaron Rodgers to him, some spectacular, some Brett Favre. I mean, the, the game-winning touchdown pass was incredible. He just has a knack for even when you feel like he is wrapped up, he's going to find a way to get out of there and make a play. I think John Gruden compared him to Michael Jordan. I don't know that I'd go that far, but he just has a tremendous ability to make game-changing plays. It's really, really impressive. And frankly, Dave, without J.J. Watt, he's going to have to. Yeah, he's going to have to be spectacular. Funny you said he's got some Rodgers in him taking sacks he might not otherwise should have. Uh, I'll have to ask you about this later in the program. I felt Aaron Rodgers took some sacks. Maybe I'm watching games through the perspective of Ross Tucker. I thought Aaron Rodgers held the ball too long. The Absolutely. First, you thought so too. Absolutely, okay. Dave. So J.J. Watt, third time in four years, his season ends on injured reserve. He will miss 32 games over a four-year span. This torn pectoral muscle is just another in the latest line of season-ending injuries for the three-time Defensive Player of the Year, J.J. Watt. And given that Jadevian Clowney 
had already been shipped off to Seattle or given wherever he wanted to go by uh, by Bill mm-hmm. O'Brien. They're going to have a big problem there because J.J. Watt had been as disruptive a player as we've seen uh, this season, though he hadn't put up the numbers. What will be the story of J.J. Watt when all is said and done? Look, clearly he's a Hall of Famer, three-time defensive player of the year. But will the story be of unrealized potential because of devastating injury? Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't think that'll be the story. I think that there will. I think the story will just be how good he was and how dominant he was. He's a Hall of Fame player. I think that there will be some mention when you're writing sort of his career epitaph of the injuries, and you know he just pushed his body so much. But your body can only do so much. That's the thing. And I think he's seen that. He's breaking down. He's wearing down. Frankly, if I were him, I would strongly consider not playing football anymore at this point because it's the only body you got. He's made so much money on and off the field. You know, he's almost getting sort of into the Rob Gronkowski category (laughs) for me, uh, Dave, which is interesting. Because both of those guys, uh, they almost look the same. They're built the same. When they were like the two most dominant guys, I used to say, are we sure they're not the same guy? And one just plays D-line for the Texans. The other one plays tight end for the Patriots because they were built so similarly and they played so well. Um, So, look, I think it'll be be something we talk about because there were people that he was on track to maybe be the best defensive lineman ever maybe one of the best defensive players ever, but his body has not allowed that to become a realistic possibility. Highly recommend your next column be on that apt comparison. J.J. Watt is Gronk. Gronk is J.J. Watt. Yes, a little bit of a a little bit of a different personality, but still very similar in terms of their build, their makeup, their dominance, their uh, prohibity to, to get injured, and also to how they'll last after the game. Because, look, whether or not Gronk is playing football, we have already seen he will stay around. People want to put him on TV. He is entertaining. He is a brand. And same can be said of J.J. Watt. No matter when and if he retires, he will have a legacy already off the field with what he's done in the community, the Houston, Texas community. But that's a guy you just want to see want to hear that will stay around the game for years to come because they are excellent messengers, entertaining legends. That will be a great Ross Tucker column. Speaking of Houston, the Houston Astros have somehow taken control of the World Series. How? It is impossible to figure this one out. No home team has won a game in the World Series. The Houston Astros have taken back control of the series as it shifts back to Houston. And you got a feeling this could be over. Justin Verlander has never won a World Series game, and now he has a chance to close it out in Game 6 tomorrow night. We will bring in Kevin Malar from the MLB Network, the host of Intentional Talk, to talk about where the series goes from here. Is it over now after a quick break? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.